0: Welcome to Season 2 of Sea Tech Podcasts with uh,
1: Sylvia Ellison, the writing coach at Brandon High School in Florida. And Nicole Huff, the media specialist at Brandon High School in Florida. (laughs) Uh, We're so excited to
0: be back together again. Um, Mm -hmm. We finished Teach Like a Pirate and enjoyed every minute of it. And the people that we've heard back from has enjoyed it as well. We're going to start Season 2 with a book by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen called Thanks for the Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well. And I think it's interesting that it's about receiving feedback,
1: Mm-hmm. So not, not just
0: giving it. Not just giving it. Nicole, if you'll remind us, uh, we're going to use one of our sacred reading practices.
1: Yes, so this week we're going to use Lectio Divina, and we're going to be discussing both the introduction and chapter one. Again, that's our four-step reading process, and shortly it's what's literally happening in the text. Allegorically, how is this like other texts or the world around me? Personally, how does it impact me? And a call to action Based on this conversation, what am I called to do? What is the text asking of me? How can I grow as an educator, be a better educator in person from this conversation?
0: And I'm excited to get started with this. This is actually the second time I've read this book, and I didn't remember the first time very well. And um, (laughs) using reader response criticism, which is what I'm teaching now, I realized that the situation with which you're brought into a book Mm -hmm. has a deep impact on what you take out of the book. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I think the situation when I was reading this before was a great struggle for me. It was a forced reading time, Mm -hmm. not forcing to read the book, but forced time constraints. And so I've had a little bit more time to just sit back and enjoy this reading this time. Mm -hmm. And um, it's amazing how even in my reading now, I've already started
1: to apply the information in here to my conversations with others. Wow. I love that. So that's a great segue into our information and to our first quote. If you look at page two and then three and into five, there's a metaphor that we'd like to use and discuss. On page two, the authors say about feedback and this book that feedback is hard and to provide a framework and some tools uh, that can help you metabolize a challenging, even crazy-making information and use it to fuel insight and growth. On page five, they say that you feed corrective information back to the point of origin and that that is what feedback began to be. And then you, the employee, tighten up here and there and voila, you are more productive. So literally, they are discussing what feedback means and how we take it. I think it's
0: interesting um, that we discuss feedback as a a sustenance, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I was working with a teacher one time who would eat like cold lasagna and cold ribs. And I was like, oh, don't you want to heat that up? And he goes, "Um, Sylvia, food is fuel for me. I don't have to enjoy the taste of it. I just have to put it in my body so my body can exist. Eats to live rather than lives to eat. Right. And he's an Air Force pilot, so mm-hmm. he he understands the, the weight and all that, that yeah. stuff. And um, And I thought that was an interesting perspective. And if we think about feedback that way, that sometimes cold ribs can be of value.
1: <laughs> right? Yes. And as we move to allegorical, my thought was that, All of this is metaphorical by saying we metabolize this information and then it fuels insight and growth it is making it sound like food and it is making it sound like something that will help us grow literally but I said that it implies to me that we use the fuel and get rid of the waste when you use that word metabolize and so feedback even in the introduction, they talk about the fact that some of this is good to hear and some of it is worthwhile and that some of it may not be. And so there will be some waste that you will need to get rid of and get out of your system rather than stew over. On page 7, he even continues that when he says that,
0: sometimes we can't just lot down the road of life, ignoring what others have to say, safely sealing it in our emotional Ziploc. There's that <laughs> reference to food, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard it since we were young, but he then says, feedback is good for you, like exercise and broccoli, and broccoli. right? It makes you stronger and helps you grow, doesn't it? I think it's interesting that, uh, as we're talking about this idea of feedback, and we even mentioned it a little earlier, that it's not about just how to give feedback, but how to receive it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like broccoli. I mean, I've had to learn to eat it, but it's still it's like me eating salads. I keep asking people, when do I get to the point where I like eating salad, (laughs) right? And
1: I'm not sure. It's good for you to do it anyway. All right, it's good for you to do it anyway.
0: So I I think feedback in our workforce are it needs to be something that we embrace. It's like death and taxes. Mm -hmm. It's gonna come, Yes. right. So we can either. I discover noticed. ways to make it more palatable. Mm-hmm. Let's extend our metaphor here too. Mm-hmm. To make it more palatable or we're not
1: going to grow professionally. And it's not about the cook dressing it up with seasonings. It's not about the person giving the feedback. It's about me looking at the broccoli and going, I don't really want to eat it. It's about taking the food that may not be appetizing, but it's really good for your body. So let's look at how this works and then I also want to mention that you know when we call it feed Mm. that the input equals feed here so we're, we're feeding or inputting but feed really has a positive connotation it says that something is substantive that it's going to give you sustenance so that as we look at this it really is about whatever that is being said if I actually take the time to figure out what that person really meant, it can help sustain me and it can make me right. grow.
0: And I think that's why I think this is an introduction to the book. And I think that's what they're trying to lay the foundation here is, is that as we're reading this book, we need to think not about how we're going to give feedback to others, which really would be so challenging because there's so many different people out there with so many different ways of learning and so many different ways of processing, but instead if we, if we start to reflect on how we receive feedback, mm-hmm. how we are willing to listen to it, how we're willing to discern, mm-hmm. then I think that it's almost like the FBI studying counterfeit money. They don't study the counterfeits. They study the real thing, mm-hmm. right? Because then they can judge the fake money against the real stuff because there's millions of fakes, but there's only one real. Okay. Right? Yeah. I think feedback can be like that.
1: I'm only, I can only concentrate and change me. So how I receive it. I can't concentrate how other people are going to take it, but I can concentrate on how I receive it.
0: And I think once I figure out how I can receive feedback better, it might make me a better person in how I give feedback. I was thinking that too. I was wondering about that. So I think, and I think that's going to be the case here. Um, I remember when I first read through this book, Amy Ballins, who was a national board certified teacher that worked in our district, um, said that it caused her to work with people differently, because she started realizing that how I receive could ha- impact how
1: people um, receive, mm-hmm. and so it allowed her to she knows put what, a little more control into their hands. If I know what my triggers are, I'm liable to look for triggers in other people,
0: and if I know how you want to receive feedback or what kind of feedback is going to best impact you, mm-hmm. then I can tune my feedback. I can give you the same message in three different ways. Of course. Right? In a classroom, I can give directions verbally. I can give them visually. and I can give them hands-on experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So some of my kids, I might say all of my kids would benefit from hands-on. But some of my kids may not. Right? Some of my kids, my talking the directions while I'm doing something, mm-hmm. my talking's getting in the way. So this is the personal stage.
1: Yeah. And your talking might be getting in the way. I had a student once who... Wasn't she was a very sweet kid, and she was obviously working very hard. Um, it was early in the year. She was one of my ESE students. She appeared to have things together, and she was organized with a notebook and came prepared and like had a book in her backpack. And this is a reading class, and she seemed to be sort of with it. But then every time I graded her work, it just made absolutely no sense. And so I had not looked in her file yet. And I went back and looked at it and, and talked to the ESE specialist and said, I just don't understand. She seems like she's okay. And then I check her work and it's just not there. And so I don't even know how to give feedback to this. And the ESE specialist, you know, came and looked and whatnot and said, well, she has a short-term memory loss and an auditory processing problem. And most of your directions oh. are oral. She's going to nod along, and then it's going to go away because by the time she tries to process what you said auditorily, short-term memory is it kicks her out yeah. and, and it's gone. So she's making stuff up. Well, and so if you take that, I mean, that's just... That's the physical... Mm -hmm. Personally, I started giving her directions in writing that she could keep, and it made a
0: difference. But That's the physical barrier Mm -hmm. to making change in your life, right? If I can't process the information because I I physically don't have the the ability, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good illustration to why many people don't process feedback, is that it is in a format that is not not conducive. Conducive, or go back to our food metaphor, palatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not inviting. It's not tasteful, and it might not be just just not processable. Right, right, because it, it is in a language they don't understand, or it's combined or muddled amidst something else. I love the feedback sandwich that people always give, which is the plus. I'll give you plus something, and then I'm going to give you something constructive, and something plus something. But what I found out in reading, and this is connecting it to other mm-hmm. texts, right, is um, in the professional world, I, heard, I read an article about a CEO who said that every time he'd give feedback to his, his people, they would never hear the positive, even when he sandwiched it, hmm. because they were always waiting
1: for the hammer to drop interesting see i so only I remember started, the positive when, uh, you, when you start and end with it that's all i'm going to remember the middle is where i kind of lose focus sometimes right but that's so, my learning side. so i started asking people and when i was evaluating
0: teachers is um, I, i'm supposed to give you some constructive feedback and i want to give you positive feedback which would you like to hear first and then they, and 95% of the, I, in fact, out of all the evaluations ever did, only one teacher wanted the positive first. Huh. And all the, all the rest of them wanted to hear the constructive first. So I, so I told it to them, and we'd already talked, right? And I, when we talked talk about it, and I would make sure that I would now have time at the end to say, now, I want to tell you what you did really well because I need you to keep doing that. Yeah. And um, I'll be honest with you, when I made that switch in my evaluation language, Um, I saw a difference in how they absorbed the feedback. When I came back the next time or the
1: next year, I still saw those great things happening. And we have to look at how we individually receive it. Mm -hmm. And then when we can... We have to ask the people around us how they receive it or look into how they receive it and process so that we can make sure that what we give is well received as well.
0: And I think that's supported in the book by the the quote on page nine that says that, in contrast, working or living with someone who shuts out feedback or responds with defensiveness and arguments is exhausting. We walk on eggshells and live in fear of pointless conflicts. Frank Frank discussion fades and feedback goes unspoken depriving the receiver of the chance to understand what's gone wrong and fix it. I think every human being wants to know what's gone wrong. I remember uh, um, being a national faculty member, we used to use this cognitive coaching method. And while cognitive coaching works, I'm sure, I never liked it. <laughs> I just wanted to know what I did wrong so I could fix it. Mm-hmm. And I was more than willing, and comp- not, to, not just to be compliant, I was more than willing to accept... The methodology with which i needed to fix mm-hmm. as the most effective way of doing it never questioning whether or not there was a, another or different way trying to get me to figure out what i did wrong was you just needed them to tell you i just
1: needed them to tell me so, because i i was actually a far worse critic of myself than <laughs> they would have been so i think this kind of pulls us to a call to action for this part and I must say that as we've talked about it being sustenance, some of, I'm called to two things. One, I'm called to sort of the adulting, put on your big girl panties <laughs> and and check yourself and just listen. This is good for you, just do it. Um, but then also we've talked a lot about how this can change how you give feedback as well. And while the book is really about receiving it and it's about me listening when somebody's talking to me or listening and looking at the body language of of the people in front of me. And yes, it is. But if I know why it's hard for me to hear feedback, then I also know how to be a little more gentle, not with my message, but in the way I'm giving it. so that I still need to have the honest conversation. And if somebody is doing something wrong, I still need to be able to like go up to the teacher in the library and say, in some form, the kids didn't respond to you because what you did was yell at them in front of other students and negatively dress them down. Kids tend to get defensive, that's not gonna work. But I probably can't start with, so that lesson didn't work, huh? Because they're not going to hear it well then. And we're going to have to go about this a different way and through a different portal. So I need to think about that and, and think about gently how to give them honest feedback.
0: And I like how Stone and Heen end this introduction with this idea of keeping an open mind, Mm -hmm. um, with the story about digging for ponies, that this (laughs) kid is digging through a whole bunch of crap, and his grandmother says, why are you doing this? And he says, I don't know. But he cries with delight as he excitedly digs through the dung. Quote, but I think there's a pony in here somewhere, end quote. (laughs) So I think that as we're walking through this book uh, in our discussions, there are going to be moments when we are really going to become vulnerable Mm -hmm. to times when we messed up. Um, not only giving feedback, but receiving it, right? We're going to
1: have to be open. We're going to have
0: to be open. And I think we're going to have to be optimistic that our whole point in doing mm-hmm. this is to learn how to get better. It's not to uh, be self-deprecating. It's not no. to crucify ourselves for our past mistakes. And it's not even to judge ourselves unfairly. I think there are going to be times when we say, no, what I do is working. Sure. And And if it is working based on what they have said, Great, we can pull ourselves back. But I think there's gonna be times when we think what we do works and when we read there we're gonna go we're gonna have to admit that maybe it doesn't
1: or right. it doesn't work as well as something else could. Could.
0: Exactly. And so that's for
1: yeah. the most we're gonna have to dig for ponies. Especially if it's something that's good but could be great. Right. And that's the spot where I'm really gonna have to be open and I'm gonna have to dig in and look at the feedback and figure out what it really means. Because just because something is good doesn't mean that someone else didn't see a way to make it better. It and, could be great. And one of the models I've lived by is good is the enemy of great. <laughs> right? I, so I love that. <laughs> when we
0: get into the first chapter then, he talks about the challenge of feedback is that there's three triggers. And I think the triggers are really things that can um, cause a reaction or response to us that is, in reflection, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those are truth triggers, which is really the substance of the feedback. Relationship triggers, the substance of the person giving the feedback. <laughs> and identity. And identity triggers, which is, are all about
1: us and uh-huh. the, the person who is receiving the feedback. And I liked that they identify that as the story we tell ourselves about who we are and what the future holds. It's not who we are. It's the story we tell ourselves about who we are. Right.
0: And he says on page 17, and this isn't part of our quote for our discussion. We'll just kind of do a summary real quick. But it says, I think this one sentence is so powerful. He says, um, basically, when it comes to that trigger, mm-hmm. we are just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people are receiving feedback, in some ways, the story they tell themselves is, I'm drowning. Because I think we are, as human beings, we all want to be excellent. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody tells us something that is not as good as we saw it,
1: we do the extreme. And he's I'm drowning safe. now. I'm not waiting in the pool. Mm-hmm. I'm drowning. And also on 17, he says, once that identity trigger gets tripped, a nuanced discussion of our strengths and weaknesses is not in the cards. So I think as we're looking through this opening book, or this opening chapter,
0: I do want to point this out to page 25, because as we're talking... Um, you might find information that we're talking about on page 25 right. if, you, if you have a hard time finding the quotes. Because this tra- this chapter is very rich in literature. Yes. I, I spoke earlier how I've been using this feedback and how I deal with people and how I have um, had conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that sometimes I do feel like, as you said, the relationship piece, if it's not there... I may not recognize that as being the problem. And then when I go back in reflection, I go, "Uh, I don't think I have a good relationship with that
1: person for them to understand me. And you know, uh, we'll get to our quote in just a second, but background for those of you listening, Sylvia and I both spent time, uh, she is a mentor and me is an evaluator, which means that we had uh, caseloads of teachers who we would observe. And her role was really to make a relationship with a good number of teachers and coach them in their first few years as well as observe some of them and give feedback. But those that she observed were not the same people she coached. Right. And my role, I had a very large list of people because they were all experienced teachers. So the coaching was not present, it was just the observing and based on a rubric rating uh, and giving feedback to people that I really didn't know before I stepped foot in their classroom for a short conversation about the lesson. So the relationship trigger is one that both of us have a lot of reflection on.
0: (laughs) And to connect this to the purpose of this podcasting uh, Mm -hmm. series this season, we are going to be working with mentors in the National Board Certification Program. So th- consider you are a a teacher who has gone through the process and have become nationally board certified but now you're not only just working with veteran teachers but you're working with excellent veteran teachers mm-hmm. to help them process their work, their craft, make changes to their craft and mm-hmm. or to reflect honestly about their own practice. So we're talking excellent teachers coaching excellent
1: teachers. On on how to get better. On how to get better. When they may not have known these people much in advance.
0: Exactly, and so I think that when we go back to that that introduction of making things palatable, Mm -hmm. um, making things tangible, I think our focus for this season is really going to be with that idea of how can we open up our own Mm -hmm. selves in receiving feedback. Um, I think our experiences are going to be very helpful in that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm one of the teachers going through National Board again. And so it'll be very exciting to see our Aspire um, professional learning facilitators working with teachers, applying some of the things that we're going to, to learn about together. Yes. Right? Um, our quote for
1: for chapter one. Yes. So if we start pages 22 and 23. So before that, basically, he is talking through the, the three triggers. And so this is in actually in the relationship trigger. Yes. And he says at the bottom of the second paragraph after identify the relationship system, he says, the giver is telling us that we need to change. And in response, we think, you think the problem is me? That's hilarious because the problem is very obviously you. And then he says in the next paragraph, we point the finger at each other. Neither of us sees, the top of 23, that we are both caught in a reinforcing loop of this two-person system and that we each are doing things that per- perpetuate it. And at the bottom of the paragraph, what are we each contributing to the problem? Wow. And he's
0: right. I mean, feedback is a, is a loop. So literally. Literally. Um, if I give you feedback... You have to receive it. And you actually give me feedback on the feedback mm-hmm. based on whether or not you want to accept what I've said. Sure. Right? And I, so I think that's interesting that in our minds, that scenario is going, even when I trust you and have a good relationship with you, um, there are times, Nicole, when you tell me things, and inside my head I'm going, you got to be crazy. She's lost her mind. However, because we have our relationship, I know, mm-hmm. okay, in there somewhere is some truth. There's something else going on here. Right. With or, one of us or both. <laughs> right. And I think that goes back to that truth trigger: is that I've got to recognize that somewhere in there, in the dung, mm-hmm. the pony is there, right? So somewhere in the midst of all everything I either heard or thought I heard, mm-hmm. I've got to find what the, the message is. I've got to narrow it down to the thing. Because I think one thing I'm realizing as, a, as an instructional coach is that I can't make 100 changes at once. I can only make one change. And I think it's like our students, we we plan on lessons that, how can I take this kid from step one to step two? Not how can I take this kid from step one to step 10, right? I only need to go to step two. We need that scaffolding. Right, and I think that when it talks about, pointing the finger at each other. Wow, what, a, what an image that is. That oh, feedback wow. is about pointing the finger, mm-hmm. as opposed to, when I'm, in, when I'm working with classes, even my students, I don't point at them, I gesture like an open palm, which is more of an invitation. So I think it's interesting that, what if feedback was more of an invitation? Is that my mindset with feedback, or is there something that we can actually do to make it like that?
1: And see, uh, in my mind with this, I actually see um, a very specific couple who I'm not going to name in my head, that are since divorced. But the man in the situation said basically that he felt he was done trying to be his wife's version of him. Mm. And his wife said, you think you only do what I say? no, you, you go out drinking here, you do this there, you, and named vices of his, no, no, the problem is you. No. And I don't think either one of them heard what was really going on, and therefore this relationship didn't last. Right. But what was really going on there is that neither one of them were good at saying what they needed out of that relationship and from the other person. And she was trying to set high expectations for him, and he was trying to live up to them and not necessarily always doing it and then needing to blow off steam in ways that were destructive. And so that caused problems there. And then at the same time, he didn't know how to say, we need to come up with a picture of success together that we can both meet. Right. Very much like the story in here about the goal that the boss is setting and somebody's not meeting it, so the boss just sets a higher goal, was exactly what was going on in that marriage. And neither one of them could stop and figure out what what really needed to happen to move forward. And apart, they're actually good friends.
0: Well, and that's interesting because that really gives a different viewpoint of that perpetual loop, right? I'll do this, you do that. So in response, I'll do something else. And in your response, you do that. When in reality, if you just stopped the loop and said, and just had that conversation, mm-hmm. right? What is it that we do? What is it that we don't do? What is it that you need? What is it that you don't need? Um, that kind of conversation might be more valid. I think that's why Sabrina is such a good coach when it comes to National Board Certification is that she knows what the standard is, but when I was working on that one Saturday when I had to get things done, she just said, what do you need today? Mm -hmm. And when I said, I need time to write, she says, you have it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it was like, okay, good. Right. And I can, and I just kept going. And, but it was with the idea that her statement was like, you have it. And then it was,
1: if you you need need me, I'm right here because
0: I'm going to stop everything to help you. If you need
1: something more, ask for it.
0: Um I think in this funny in this on page twenty four there comes a piece to this that i I think leads lends itself to our conversation. It says it talks about this girl Layla, and I think it's what you're talking about the analogy and it said Layla needs to become aware of the ways she typically distorts feedback and the patterns her mind follows and the question I had there is how do we learn that? how do we learn that we are how do we actually first of all learn that we're distorting feedback, yeah, right. And I think that's one of the things, as I'm reading this text, it really has forced me to become more reflective as a coach, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, in that how do we check ourselves before we try to check others, Mm -hmm. right? I want to learn how to not distort feedback, or even to recognize when I am distorting feedback. Bottom of page 24, those who handle feedback more fruitfully have an identity story with a different assumption at its core. These folks see themselves as ever-evolving, ever-growing. They have what is called a growth mindset or growth identity. And so I think that that maybe that's the answer um, that's going to be kind of slipped in through a lot of the chapters here, or maybe that's just part of the foundational piece, that if you don't have a growth mindset, maybe you need
1: to stop and figure that one out. And maybe that's our pony. Our pony is how mm. we grow. So I love that it is um, how we simply, we, this is how we simply are now. A pencil sketch, a moment in time, not a portrait in oil in a gilded frame. Mm. And that's a really interesting thing. All throughout here, there was a moment in the text where the authors talked about the line of, accept me how I am and who I am, don't try to change me and that is something we hear all the time in relationships Mm -hmm. and you know try i'm not going to judge you i don't judge and i I don't want (laughs) to change him i just want him the way he is or or oh he's almost great i'll just work on him or you know you hear that kind of thing in in the in society and i think there's a fine balance there that it's not about me trying to change another person i do accept you as you are but i'm also going to help you see yourself clearly in your blind spots so that you may take an opportunity to choose to grow. Right. And I also think that as we look at this, we ought to think about our calls to action that way. That mm, yes, I probably want to think about how I speak to everybody around me and make sure that they know that I'm not ever, when I give feedback, Trying to change you at your core, mm. so we need to. I need to work on my relationships as well as just the way I present what I'm saying, so that people know that who you are is pretty great, right? And that's not what I'm saying.
0: I think that's assuming positive intent too. So I think if you're going to give feedback, you you need to check yourself first. Mm-hmm. It's my intention to just badger them or is my intention to help right is my intention to help them grow and to 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 bloom as a as a teacher or as a as a writer or as a reflector if my intention is not that then i don't need to be giving the feedback to begin with with that in mind i think as we're working through this text we need to consider that there are sometimes people are going to give us feedback that their only intention really is to badger us but that doesn't mean there's there's nothing something valuable in that feedback. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of dung being thrown at us. But like you said earlier, the little boy is looking for a pony and well, we need we to need take to that it. pony. Um I think our call to action for this chapter though mm-hmm. is on page 25. He gives us um a nice little graphic organizer or they give us a graphic organizer with the triggered reactions and the learning responses. And I think if if it were me, which it is, mm-hmm. Ha, ha! I'm going to take this page and somehow make a photocopy of it or um, maybe make it a little larger or put it on cards. And so that when I'm working with teachers, it's in my coaching blog book, right? So that I can remind myself as I'm walking into a situation of coaching to th- the truth is you know what are they thinking as I'm giving this feedback? Are they thinking that I'm wrong, that I'm not helpful, or that I'm just not who they are? And if so, what's my response to those? How can I how can I adjust my thinking? Do I need to build a relationship? Do I need to check their identity story? Mm-hmm. You know what is the story? You know that they're telling themselves about that. But I I like this page. It talks for every frame for everything from separating that appreciation, coaching, and evaluation mm-hmm. feedback. What kind of feedback do you want? What kind am I giving you? To the switch tracking, um, our relationship should not have an impact on what the feedback is. Right. Right? To the identity, what are they actually telling themselves? What am I telling myself when Mm -hmm. somebody's giving me feedback? Am I telling them usually, Sylvia, you suck and you feel (laughs) right? I need to correct that in my own self,
1: right? And if I want to listen and receive feedback better... Maybe not just put in my coaching notebook, but like every time I go to a post-conference meeting, every time I have an appointment where I need to talk to a superior and I'm going to listen to what that person is saying to me, I might need to bring this Mm. so that I don't start with. No, no, but I'm awesome because we were all sort of trained on the system where you check the highest box in any sort of evaluation. You don't ever mark yourself down and you try to justify for the 100% because we're all teachers and we love getting high grades and we want the extra credit. And I want to be a better teacher and a better media specialist and a better member of Brandon High School. And so I need to listen to the feedback I am given and not jump to a defense. So maybe I need to bring this page with me anytime I have a conversation with somebody who is technic- who is my superior.
0: Right, and I think in every situation that you encounter, whether it's on the job or in your personal life or in your public life, we can always learn something to get better. So when somebody gives you a bunch of dung, mm-hmm. find the gem. Find the one piece that you can go, you know what, I can own that. It's like when I tell kids who get into um, to encounters, negative encounters with an adult, own the piece of the problem that you can own. Mm-hmm. You don't have to own the whole thing. It's not an all or nothing thing, but you own the piece that you can. Did you disrespect the teacher by, by, yell, by saying a bad word in your anger? Mm-hmm. Own it. Mr. and Mrs., when I got angry with you, I said a bad word, I'm sorry. Did you say that you were bad? Maybe they triggered you to do that. Maybe they did something wrong that caused you to get angry. You don't have to own that. Just own the piece that you can own. Sure. That'll lead to them owning a piece that they did wrong. Mm -hmm. Right, and so maybe that's where this thanks for the feedback comes from. Because feedback is not always tasteful, but we do have to be thankful for the opportunity to improve whatever we're doing.
1: Absolutely. So we are going to send out a question as well if you're listening along that we'd love responses to, uh, to hear what your call to action is and what you're going to do in the face of feedback, maybe what your triggers often are in the last time you can think of it. So look for that. We'll put the form out through CTEC Ed. But also, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to get your feedback throughout. So please, as the weeks go on and this week, contact us and let us know what you think. We want to receive your feedback well, and we want you guys to be part of the show. You can uh, contact us on Twitter at Podcasts. You can send us email at ctechpodcasts at gmail.com. And when you're sending us email, if you'd like, you can record your thoughts in a voice memo on your cell phone and simply attach that to the email so that we can play your voice in future episodes with your feedback for us.
0: Our next podcast is, we're going to really dive into this Truth Triggers, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't spend a lot of time on today, purposefully. Um, but our next one is going to be on chapters two, three, and four, the three parts of Truth Triggers. So as you're preparing for us, go ahead and read through those three chapters and find out what actually speaks to you. What will be interesting is if your quotes are the same ones that we choose. Often Sylvia and I choose the same quotes. Isn't that interesting? Um, But we look forward to hearing your voice and to hearing your feedback. Um, Thank you so much. Have a great day.